0: This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of edge microactive pre-emergent herbicide.
1: 67. The heartbeat of Saskatchewan is agriculture, and 620 CKRM is proud to be your source for everything ag. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Sitting in for Jim Smalley, here's Tanner Wallace-Gribner.
0: Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture today, brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit HarvardWestern.com and brought to you by the Arcola Co-op. You're at home here on Highway 13 in Arcola. On today's show, we'll have the latest information on the anthrax outbreak in the arm of Piapot. We'll discuss CN and CP's rails grain plans for the upcoming year and plenty more, including the farm weather market update and resource report all in their usual spots we'll be right back right out
1: this is Saskatchewan agriculture today sitting in for Jim Smalley here's Tanner Wallace Scribner
0: this portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnston's Grain. Your first and last stop for grain pricing and crop production. And brought to you by Farm Fresh Water. They'll make your water well wonderful and your dugout drinkable. Get your Farm Fresh Water today at farmfreshwater.ca. The government of Saskatchewan has confirmed that an anthrax outbreak has been found in the RM of Pye Pot. Dr. Wendy Welkins, a disease surveillance veterinarian with the Ministry of Agriculture, talks more about these findings.
2: So on Monday morning, I received a call from a veterinarian in the, uh, in the area who uh, was reporting a suspect case of anthrax, multiple deaths uh, in a herd over the weekend. He had uh, submitted samples to the diagnostic laboratory right away for testing and those those came back positive. So we confirmed anthrax as the cause of death uh, in nine animals at that point in time. Uh, Currently the number is up to 12.
0: And can you talk a little bit about how anthrax would have infected these animals?
2: Anthrax is a big bacteria that affects uh, warm-blooded animals, mammals particularly. Uh, Some species are more susceptible than the others, Uh, for example, your dogs and cats are are quite susceptible. It takes very high numbers of anthrax to actually make them sick. Other species, uh, such as cattle and bison, are more susceptible. So it does occur naturally in the environment, typically environmental contamination from animal carcasses, uh, animals that have died from anthrax in in the past. Now, the real issue with anthrax is uh, once it's exposed to oxygen, it forms very, very uh, resistant spores. Uh, So these survive in the soil for decades. Uh, I think uh, 40, 50 years has been confirmed at minimum uh, that these spores can survive. So if you have an animal that dies from anthrax and it's there in the environment, and then it releases these spores into the environment. uh, and, And so the contamination is there. Even if the carcass is buried, at some point in the future, uh, that carcass may be, may be dug up and those spores are exposed. An animal comes along, it gets exposed to them. Uh, usually it's uh, foraging animals uh, that they ingest the, the spores along with the dirt in the, in the grass that they're consuming. Uh, it gets inside the body and it starts an infection and it starts the cycle all over again.
0: For producers, what can they do to prevent their animals from falling victim to anthrax?
2: There is an anthrax vaccine for livestock, and it is very effective. So we recommend that anyone who has ruminant species, again, these are anything from goats, to sheep, cows, uh, bison. If you have these species in an area where there's known to be anthrax outbreak, to vaccinate your animals to make sure that they're protected. Now, where in Saskatchewan does this occur? Uh, We see it pop up randomly. Uh, Certainly, there's some areas in the province where it seems to be more prevalent, uh, but we cannot say that it's not present in a specific place. Uh, we will see it pop up in an uh, areas where it's never been reported before. So my recommendation to people always is, if you have concerns about anthrax, make sure your animals are, are vaccinated. Um, and if you have neighbors that have had an anthrax outbreak, it's in your best interest to get your animals vaccinated as well.
0: And for producers, if they suspect that they've had an animal that's passed away due to anthrax, What can they do to not only ensure their safety but the safety of the rest of the herd and also prevent the spores from spreading?
2: Uh, A very good question and a very important one. So the first thing to remember is, of course, that we don't want those spores getting out into the environment. Those spores are contained within the body, and as soon as that body is opened, uh, those uh, bacteria and spores will leak, leak and spill out into the environment. Anthrax, typically, the first thing people see when they see uh, an animal who has contracted anthrax, they will see a dead animal. So if you have a suddenly dead animal, uh, especially in conditions like this where we have uh, animals on a pasture, the potholes, the sloughs are drying up, and they're getting into those slough bottoms, uh, and you have suddenly dead animals, um, be even more suspicious, suspicious if it's more than one animal. Don't touch it. Call your veterinarian. The veterinarians are trained in this, uh, and, and they know what to do. Uh, they know how to handle the carcass. They know what samples to take. They know what tests to request. Um, and uh, you want to make very sure it's not not anthrax before you do anything more with, with that carcass.
0: We'll be back with more from Dr. Wilkins. .ca. Yeah. You're listening to Saskatchewan
1: Agriculture Today. Covering for Jim Smalley, here's Tanner Wallace-Gribner.
0: This portion is brought to you by Prairie 6-inch troughs An inch makes a big difference. Prairieeavesdrops.ca and Prairie Co-op Grow Team. Fueling farms and feeding families in Cupar, Ituna, Lipton, and Strasbourg. The Ministry of Agriculture has confirmed that 12 animals in the arm of Piapot have died due to anthrax. Dr. Wendy Welkins, a disease surveillance veterinarian with the Ministry of Agriculture, explains what producers should do to prevent scavengers like coyotes from eating the carcasses and spreading the spores elsewhere.
2: Yes, and that's a bit of a conundrum. Uh, I mean we do not want those scavengers uh, tearing apart that carcass and, and spreading the bacteria and spores across the landscape. Uh, but we do want to make sure that carcass is controlled, yet yeah, we recommend that leaving it in place because once you start moving the carcass around, uh, you increase the risk of spreading the spores around. So we recommend leaving it in place until you have a diagnosis. So how do you control a carcass while leaving it in place? Uh, well, typically we recommend covering it with uh, with plastic or tarp and making sure that this is pegged down so it doesn't blow off. Uh, so this will deter you know, your scavenger's birds for, for the large part. Uh, there's also um, some um, substances that we we sometimes recommend that uh, we soak that tarp in the carcass with uh, to deter the, uh, the other scavengers um, and yeah, we ask people to discuss those actions with their vet, what is best in their situation and what is available in their area.
0: And how common is the province to have an animal die of anthrax poisoning?
2: Well, I wouldn't say it is common, but it is not rare either. So prior to this one, uh, we had one outbreak uh, in last year, and then previous to that, we had one outbreak in 2019. Um, so it's it's rather sporadic. We can go a couple years without any, and then we might have a year like 2016 where we had three or four. Uh, or we it is possible to even have a really bad situation where in 2006 uh, we had... Um, Oh, I man, I, I can't even remember the, the number of, uh, of farms that had outbreaks now, but there was almost a 1,000 animals killed uh, over many, many different farms. It was a very widespread outbreak. Um, so, you know, for me, this is almost routine, uh, but certainly for the people affected, uh, it, it's really a rare, uh, rare occurrence.
0: And is the Ministry of Agriculture considering this an isolated outbreak or the worry for a much widespread outbreak? What's kind of the case there?
2: Uh, We are definitely dealing with this as an isolated outbreak. Uh, We're working with the veterinarian to uh, get the outbreak under control and manage the risks going forward. Uh, The veterinarian who um, uh, deals with this particular herd uh, is doing an excellent job in that respect, in my opinion. Um, The suspected uh, source of infection, uh, again, I mentioned previously dried up potholes and sloughs. Uh, These animals were recently put in a pasture where they got into a dried-up slough bottom and it was noticed that uh, the animals were were digging and foraging there, so uh, that's very likely uh, where they accessed uh, the the bacteria. Uh, Just as a note, um, anthrax spores are, are quite buoyant, so they float on water. So if you imagine you have a rain event, there's lots of runoff, they go into low spots like sloughs and potholes. Uh, There they accumulate, uh, the water dries, the animal gets in there, and and there we have it.
0: She added that the best advice for producers is if they see a sudden death of one of their animals is to phone their local veterinarian. Time now for
1: Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamps Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on the source 620 CKRM.
3: This is your realagriculture.com update. Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture email advertising at realagriculture.com to learn more about this unique keynote opportunity.
4: I'm Bernard Tobin, welcome to the Corn School. I am down at the Pride Seed Education Center They catching up with pride agronomist, Matt Chappell. Now, normally I, I couldn't find you in a corn field, but it's a little different story this year, Matt. Um, a lot of stress, a lot of, you know, short corn. You know, uh, typically we talk about how
3: big corn hybrids have gotten. Yeah. This year, a little different story. That's right, we've totally taken out what we've known about modern hybrids and competitiveness in the field. and. We're taking a little step back this year and having a different angle on our on our crop. Yeah. So
4: what's going on here? I mean, like, you know, we see hybrids that are typically nine and ten feet
3: coming in at you know six and seven feet. Here, this is a perfect example. That's right. Yeah. We're looking at the tip of a tassel right at eye level, yeah. burn. It's uh, it can often be disheartening, right, when you get out there and look at that and I, a lot of conversations of why is my corn so short? I've never seen that hybrid so short. And when you really stop and think about it, we came out of a very challenging spring. Uh, we actually had some good planting conditions early where the crop got planted and emerged within five to seven days from that early planting window. But that corn crop grew so fast and so rapidly, it quickly transitioned its life cycle from living off its reserves in the radical root to trying to throw down nodal roots. Yeah. So what happens now,
4: Matt? I mean, like, you know, we we typically, you know, corn grows through the vegetative stage. We get this big tall plant and then it starts to turn to that grain fill uh,
3: period. What happened here that uh, this stuff stopped at six feet? Yeah. So that V3 to V4 growth stage when they was putting down a lot of nodal roots, it started to find some restriction, maybe some tillage layers, maybe some compaction from last fall burn, and we started to see that wave, that variability in the crop. And then the crop goes into defense mode burn. When it's in defense mode, it's not really worried about growing to its maximum vegetative potential, okay? It's roped up, maybe even looking a little gray, and it slows down the whole factory. When you slow down the whole factory, there's no need for that plant to try to worry about competing with its neighbor when we talk about populations of 34, 32,000. So really, we've stunted it a little bit, right? We've tightened up the internodes. And when you tighten up the internodes with tight whorls and tight roped up plants, well, we get more sunlight penetration. Right. More sunlight penetration. Really, we're not maximizing our, our photosynthetic potential. We're not maximizing our radiation from the, from the sunlight and that plant just basically stalls out and tightens up its inner nodes. So what
4: What do we have left here, Matt? And I asked the question, you know, I mean, typically, you know, are we still dependent on how your corn sort of moved through pollination? Whether you had good weather, some moisture at pollination and at silking, you know, we may have short plants, but do we still have yield potential?
3: That's right. Plant height is not indicative of our full yield potential it's not necessarily that short corn means that you're going to have a crop failure Um, we are definitely relying on good grain fill periods we are relying on adequate moisture at pollination time so we get that tip fill and minimize our tip back of course there's maybe some of that going on in the crop as well but for the most part burn there is some very good kernel counts on some six foot tall corn out there some some kernel counts that will get us to at least an average crop
4: So Matt, here we are. We've got some short corn. I mean, what does this mean for the rest of the season now? As you know, as you say, as through grain fill and and running the combine through a crop like this.
3: Yeah, a good thing about short corn is that compact structure. It should be good standability going into fall, right? We'll weather some storms maybe, hold up a little longer. More than likely, we've got a tough hardy plant, tough stalks with some good lignin production in them. I think that, that we have that going in our favor. Final question for you and that is, well, hey, what can we learn from this? And I'm looking around this your site here and you've got
4: this uh, hybrid in corn on corn and here we are. And just across the way here, we've got the same hybrid in a nice rotated ground, soybeans, got some weed in there probably, you know, a, a, a totally different soil. It's about two feet tall.
3: That's right. Same fertility as well burned. So it really speaks, you know, true to needing a crop rotation. Managing residue, and most importantly, good soil health. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at Real Agriculture. Move water.
1: It's your agro weather forecast on the source, 620
0: CKRM. Today, it's clearing early this evening with the wind becoming east 20 kilometers. This afternoon, pardon me, with a high of 25 and a low of 10 with a few clouds tonight. Tomorrow, it's mainly sunny with a high of 24 and a low of 11 tomorrow night. On Friday, a mix of sun and clouds with a 30% chance of showers and a high of 25. On Friday night, cloudy periods with a 30% chance of showers and a low of 14. And on Saturday, there's a mix of sun and clouds with a 30% chance of showers and a high of 26. The normal high for today is 23 and the normal low is 8. Sunrise was at 6 o'clock this morning and sunset is scheduled for 8.01 tonight. Looking around the province at this hour, in Estefan it's 20 degrees, in Yorkton 16, Swift Current 21, Weyburn 22, and in Regina it's 21 degrees. We'll be back in bushels. You're listening to Saskatchewan
1: Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley.
0: Tanner while the Scribner, filling in for Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers, McDougalActions.com, and brought to you by Pattison Liquid Systems. Experts in liquid fertilizer distribution, fertilizers just better when it's wetter. Pattison Liquid Systems, expect the best. CN and CP Rail recently published their grain plans for the new grain year. Milt Poirier is with QGI Consulting, and he monitors the railway's grain movement performance on behalf of the AG Transport Coalition, a consortium of grain companies and producer organizations. He talks about the coalition's input into the grain plans.
5: Yeah, a couple things. And I'll kind of, you know, there was some very specific asks, but I'll kind of group them into some major categories for the purposes of our discussion today. So the first thing really was a more precise forecast from the railways on the grain demand that they were expecting and broken down by principal corridor. And then the rail capacity that they were planning to offer against that demand. Right now, unfortunately, the grain plans, uh, CN and CP basically come out and say, we expect to handle 27.5 million tons of grain. And that's it. That's all the detail we can give you. Uh, Unfortunately, that's not very helpful because grain moves in significant commodities and multiple corridors. If you understand this business, Vancouver, Prince Rupert, Thunder Bay, Eastern Canada, the US, they're all important to shippers. They all require the railway to plan capacity for them. So what we were looking for was a more definitive statement, more granular statement from the railways about what is the actual demand you see and where do you see it? And how are you going to offer capacity against demand in those very specific corridors? Second thing we asked for broadly was an indication of their asset utilization and service performance targets within their grain plants. So if you're going to handle X millions of tons of grain in all these different corridors, underlying that plan in theory is an assumption about the assets that you're going to need, how you're going to use those assets and the level of service that you're going to deliver in order to be able to actually move the tonnage that needs to get moved. So very simply, asset utilization targets, the most common one in the rail industry, and particularly for grain, because it's largely a railway supplied fleet, is car cycles. And for service performance targets, we were asking about specific trip time targets in major corridors. Third is this issue of what the railways call the maximum sustainable supply chain capacity calculation. They spend a great deal of time talking about how this is a principal driver of how they choose to allocate their capacity between fall, winter, and spring. Unfortunately, uh, it's kind of a black box calculation And they've never really discussed or, you know, lifted the covers on how they come to those numbers, just that they have. And this is the rationale for reducing capacity in the wintertime. So we asked that the grain plans elaborate on that so that there would be a common understanding with all industry stakeholders. And then lastly, if you're going to do all of these things, the value is not fully realized unless you actually have reporting against what happens versus what the plan was. So we had asked that the railways be required to provide a monthly report that would report against all of the service and asset targets that we've just talked about. That was fundamentally what what went into a very long letter that we submitted to the government.
0: That was Mint Poirier with QGI Consulting and his comments come from the Grain by Train podcast produced by Pulse Canada, a member of the Egg Transport Cult. This spring, apply pre-emergent Edge Microactive Group 3 herbicide from Gowan Canada before seeding your canola, peas, or lentils. Maximize yield today and manage resistance tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada.
1: You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Covering for Jim Smalley, here's Tanner Wallace-Gribner.
0: Welcome back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with this segment brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market in Arcola Building Supplies, small town lumber yard, big on service, ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com. CN and CP Rail supplied a combined 91% of hopper cars ordered in week two of grain, a decline from last week's 97%, reflecting on lower performance for CN. In supplying only 79% of shipping orders on this time, on this time this week, CN order fulfillment fell below the 90% threshold for the first time in seven weeks, and the railway posted its worst weekly performance since the worst week of April, since the first week of April, pardon me. CP's performance was unchanged from the week prior, supplying 95% of cards ordered on time once again this week. In week two, CNN corridor performance improved or remained the same in only one of four corridors relative to last week's performance. Performance Declines were seen in all corridors other than the U.S. corridor with the most notable week-over-week declines seen in the Vancouver Balkan Eastern Canada corridors. For Vancouver, CN supplied only 79% of carts ordered on time down from the 99% order fulfillment seen in week one. For Eastern Canada, CN supplied only 65% for shipping orders as compared to 99 the week prior. In both instances, the poor performance is attributed to CN. Canceling shipping orders. CP saw performance hold or improve in two of the five corridors, with the most notable decline in performance seen in the Vancouver other slash W. Coming out of week two, CP has 65 outstanding week one orders, with 71 outstanding week two orders. Despite malt, CN and CP combined will enter week three with 136 outstanding orders, all to account. As for CP, a net increase of 71 from the 65 outstanding carts at the end of last week. The change in the outstanding car count represents an increase in the number of outstanding Harper cars on CP by 71. We'll be back with the market update. but
1: The market updates on The Source 620 CKRM. Sitting in for Jim Smalley, here's Tanner wallace Gribner
0: your market updates are brought to you by Freeze talman Don't put off your summer projects. Freeze talman offers delivery to your rural or lake country property and sass pork. Perfect pork, our passion, our promise. Learn more at sasspork.com. Looking at the latest Viterra price quotes, Durham 40862, feed barley 262.87, canola 286.02, chickpeas 925.95, flax 927.67 Lentils 704.50 Oats 269.53 Yellow peas 441.05 Feed wheat 299.56 And one red spring wheat 381.44 We'll be back with the livestock. All in dealer.
1: It's the livestock reports on the source 620 CKRM.
0: The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn at 842-4574. Now, here are the latest Livestock Quotes.
6: This is the market report for the Weyburn Livestock Exchange for the week of August 23rd. Our last regular sale was on August 17th. D1 and D2 cows sold from $1.03 to $1.18. D3 cows sold from $0.90 cents to $1.03. Canner cows sold from $0.50 cents to $0.70. Cents. Hefferette sold from $1.32 to $1.51. And Good Butcher Bulls sold from $1.25 to $1.45. We had a pre-sorted yearling sale here on August 15th. What a good time to be in the yearling business. 550 to 600-pound steers averaged $2.37 and sold up to $2.45. 600 to 650-pound steers averaged $2.41 and sold up to $2.45. 650 to 700-pound steers averaged 2 dollars $2.46 and sold up to $2.58. 700 to 800 pound steers averaged $2.39 and sold up to $2.58. 800 to 900 pound steers averaged $2.26 and sold up to $2.38. And steers over 900 pounds averaged $2.09 and sold up to $2.30. Heifers were about 15 to $0.20 back from the stairs. This has been Stephanie Dagg reporting from the Weyburn Livestock Exchange, the market that gets cattle and the prices, too.
0: Coming up next, the Resource Report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report
1: on 620 CKRM. Sitting in for Jim Smalley, here's Tanner
0: Wallace-Gridner. Now the resource report brought to you by Second Look Online Auction. Visit secondlookonlineauction.com to see what's up for bid and brought to you by Western Egg Professional Agronomy. If you want to make cropping decisions with confidence, visit growmoreprofit.com. The Conference Board of Canada says the Prairie provinces will likely be the top economic performers this year, even as the Bank of Canada's inflation fighting measures quell the country's overall economic output. In a new report looking at factors that will drive Canada's provincial economies between 2022 and 2024, the not-for-profit think tank says Saskatchewan will lead the country with real growth of 7.6% this year, and Alberta will see a 4.9% gain it says the oil and gas sector will propel the saskatchewan and alberto economies through 2024 The report also says that Newfoundland and Labrador will see stronger economic growth when offline oil production restarts in 2023. An aging population could hold back growth for Quebec, the report adds, while a reversal in the remote work trend will limit gains in Atlantic Canada as some workers move away, particularly in Nova Scotia and New Brunswick. The report also says a pickup in the manufacturing, hospitality and recreation sectors will likely provide an economic boost in Ontario and British columbia on the markets tsx is down nine points the dow jones is down two points and oil is up thirty one cents to now be trading at ninety four dollars in five cents the canadian dollars dropped one hundredth of a cents to be trading at seventy seven dollars and seven cents u.s that's the resource report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune into the on-demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges that growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. I've been Tanner Wallace Scribner, and that's been Saskatchewan Agriculture. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of edge microactive pre-emergent herbicides.